0: Welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information, and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Chris Mahan, Technical Manager with Wheel and Crop Protection, and Chagas Beef Specialist Alan Dillon to discuss weed control on farm. Chris, it has been a difficult spring on farm relating to grass, particularly getting an opportunity to control weeds. When is the best time to control docks?
1: As you say it has been a difficult spring for many farmers to get out and get to spray their dock sprayed before first cut silage. However there still is plenty of opportunity to do this right through the summer and into the autumn. The most important thing when it comes to dock control is the timing of the dock and spraying them when they're 8 to 10 inches higher across and using plenty of water. That's the most important.
0: After spraying the docks, how long do you have to wait until cattle can graze again or if it was going to be cut for silage?
1: Yeah, generally you would leave seven days after you spray before you let stock back in. However, if you're going cutting silage, we do recommend you to leave at 21 days, about three weeks. And um, This is to allow time for the chemical to get down and get into the roost to give it a good kill
0: before you cut your silage. And what type of products would be best suited for our controlling docks, Chris?
1: Look, generally, where docks are the main weed, we'd be recommending Dockstar Pro. That would be the product of choice, especially if you're going cutting silage again afterwards.
0: That's great. And nettles and thistles, I suppose, are also a very common weed on farm. What would be the best control method for these?
1: Look, spraying perennial weeds like nettles and thistles is really, the, is really the only way to, to eliminate them from your swart. So generally, in grazing products, we'd be recommending Forefront T. It'd be an ideal product of choice for controlling nettles, thistles, docks, and even buttercups if they were present.
0: And would they need to be sprayed again the following year?
1: Where infestations are high, it's difficult to eliminate them um, in one in, in one spray. So you may need to follow up, especially with nettles, with some spot spraying, with Grayson Pro, um, maybe the following year.
0: Would it be advised to cut them prior to spraying or at what stage should they be sprayed at?
1: Yeah, look, generally we'd be always recommending to spray them, you know, when they're green and leafy and small. So if thistles and nettles are gone, say, above the height of your knee, um, to get the best control, we'd recommend to top them and then spray the regrowth about three weeks later.
0: You touched on buttercups there. Would the same apply for controlling buttercups or what would be the case in relation to controlling them?
1: Yeah, look, um, there is a lot of buttercups around this year. Um, you know, buttercups tend to germinate after over a cold and wet winter. And especially then if there's any delay in grass growth in the springtime, um, buttercups tend to get established, you know. So we've seen a lot of them around this year. Look, ideally you'd like to spray buttercups before they flower. So pasture trio will give good level of control when they are in flower, but you would get a much better kill out if they're sprayed before flowering. So look, farmers have two options. The first option is to spray now when they're in flower. You get good level of kill, but the second option would be the better one, which would be to top them, and then spray the regrowth about three weeks later.
0: And would the same apply in relation to dandelions?
1: Yeah, not so bad with dandelions when they go into flower because they tend not to be to grow very tall. So look, they can be really sprayed at any time of the year, and luckily enough, nearly all the products that we do will control dandelions, whether that's Duckstar Pro, Astor Trio, or Four Fun Tree forefront tea, they'll all control dandelions too.
0: That's great. And in relation to chickweed, it has also been an issue on some farms, maybe particularly in new lays. What do you advise for the control of chickweed?
1: Yeah, look, there's really two main types of chickweed. We have the common chickweed, which grows as a mat along the ground, but there's also then this mouse ear chickweed, which grows more as a smaller plant with maybe only two or three branches. However, it can be widespread across the field. It can be more difficult to control the mouse ear chickweed because it has these tiny hairs in the leaf which then prevent the droplets when they land on the plant actually entering into the plant or the cuticle of the plant so it is more difficult to kill to to kill them.
0: Chris every year advisors highlight the most important part of a reseed is the post emergent spray. Have you witnessed firsthand where it is not done what happens?
1: Yeah, look, we have indeed, you know, if you allow chickweed get established in a new lay, it can totally smother out the new grass seedlings, which then results in bare patches forming afterwards, which then in turn allows perennial weeds at a later stage to ger- to germinate and get established, weeds like docks and thistles. So it is important to eliminate chickweed early. But then when it comes to dock control, look, the best time to control docks is in a new sward when they're small. Soon after reseeding, so you eliminate the plant before the root gets a chance to get established. So we'd be saying to spray docks, ideally eight to ten weeks after you reseed, but even if it goes four, five, six months afterwards, if you can get those perennial weeds um, sprayed before the root gets established, and um, they tend to eliminate them from the, spa, the from the swore for a number of years afterwards.
0: The products that you'd recommend for spraying for these types of perennial weeds, can you advise on which ones that could be used? And I suppose, particularly where clover is sown with the new reseed?
1: Yeah, look, unfortunately, we're very limited when it comes to clover safe products in new lays. Like, there's only really one sort of product out there, a few different brands, um, Clover Max or Undersown DB. That's really the only one that, 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 that that's available if you can get it for controlling broadleaf weeds. However, it doesn't control chickweed then. So then a farmer has to make a choice. Does he leave the weeds or does he use a stronger spray like Pastor Trio, kill out the weeds, but unfortunately that will kill out the clover? But then he could look to reintroduce that clover again at a later stage by
0: overseeding. Multi-species swards are becoming more commonly used. What advice have you for controlling weeds in these swards?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there's very little advice there because there's very little products that can be used in multi-species. Most of the weeds, like the plantains and the chicory, will be killed by the sprays. So really, you're stuck with just spot spraying perennial weeds with products like Graze Pro.
0: And in relation to ragwort, I suppose it is becoming an issue on some farms as you're driving around the country. You can see it's more popular this year. What's the best control option for ragwort?
1: Yeah, look, where ragwort has gone strong and in flower, like you say, it is probably at this time of the year, there's very little you can really do in terms of spraying. All you can do is pull them from your field or either cut them and take them out of the sward before you make your hay and silage. However, coming into the autumn time now could be an ideal time to control ragwort. That's going to emerge next year. Like ragwort is a biannual plant. So what we mean by this is this year it'll germinate and stay as a little rosette. It overwinters and then next year it'll go and seed out and flower out. So a well-timed spray this autumn will eliminate all these little plants that are there currently that are going to germinate next year or that are going to um, establish and grow next year. So a well-timed spray, even if it's September, October time can work very well. And You're not worried then about the stock withdrawal um, then at that stage. So you can close up your paddock in September, October, leave the stock off and then the ragwort will be totally gone for the next year. Really, there's only two products that will control ragwort. You've got four front T, or then the other option is products containing 24 4D.
0: That's great, Chris. Thanks very much. Alan, there has been an increase in rush infestation in parts of the country over the past number of years. How does rush infestation occur, and what impact can it have on the productivity of grassland?
2: Thanks, Catherine. Yeah, yeah the, the rush infestation has become probably a little bit more of a problem in the last number of years. We've had... Maybe a, a couple of wetter, wetter than normal summers in the last decade and um, also maybe a bit of a, a drop maybe in management practices on some farms. Um, typically, look, rushes occur in your heavier type soils with a high clay content, um, run down sward with low levels of soil fertility, lacks grazing and I suppose poor infrastructure can, can suffer much more with rushes as well. Uh, but also, you know, you can see a lot of swords that are probably relatively dry in nature with maybe some bit of clay content. You know, if these swords aren't managed right, if they're left to their own devices, they can uh, suffer from rush, rush infestation also. Um, typically, look, rushes can, can they're, they're very invasive species. So uh, left unmanaged, you know, they could end up covering up about 80 to 90% of any of any grassland sword or any graceful area if left to their, left to their own devices. Um, and some level of intervention or management is going to be needed to, to, try, and, um, to try and rectify this, whether it is by mechanical means, right, by topping and drainage, or whether it's by rectifying soil fertility or, or spraying or whatever, whatever the option is taken by farmers.
0: And what are the main strategies that are used for control that we've outlined some of them there?
2: Yeah, I suppose the, the typical one is, is the topping and then the mowing uh, or the mulching in, in, in later in more recent years. Um, and they're fine, but look, they're they're uh, they're not going to solve the problem. You're still going to have the rushes coming back. They will they will clean the sward off, and it will leave it eligible for for your BPS payment. Um, but uh, they don't, it's not a long term management strategy, really. If you want to control rushes long term, you have to go into the more expensive options. Um, I suppose rectifying soil fertility, you know, improving your soil P and K levels, to index three and four. Uh, or improving our soil pH to uh, in, 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 um, higher than a level of six. Um, you know, you need to regularly graze these swards as well. Lax grazing, we you know, with no paddock system in place for cattle are kind of set stocked. That's prime for allowing these rushes to, to develop, um, especially if any level of poaching is occurring, you're, you're opening up that sward, creating these, these pock marks and areas where water can hold and, and this is ideal for letting the rush plant proliferate as well. Um, so it's, 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 I suppose, those are the main factors you consider first off. And also then there is the drainage option, which is very expensive. You know, a proper drainage job on land can cost you in the region of maybe two to 3,000 euros per acre. Um, it's a long-term investment. Some people see it as being worthwhile, um, but really and truly every farmer needs to sit down and see what's the best solution for him, uh, especially with some of these environmental schemes that are, that are uh, coming down the tracks you know, there is payments for some less intensively managed sward. So we'll have to see what's the payoff going to be in terms of having maybe a a new sward with good levels of ryegrass in it and and good soil fertility and drained versus getting maybe some of these environmental payments that might be coming uh, from a sward that's maybe just maintained to the minimum level through maybe just uh, topping uh, or mowing and and, and regular grazing.
0: Alan, if rushes are not controlled and they dominate the sward as you outlined, What are the requirements in order to have animals gain access to them, particularly if they're being claimed on the basic payment scheme with regards eligibility?
2: Yeah, I suppose from the Department of Agriculture point of view, what they're looking for is that there's some level of management being done on the farm. You know, where where the problems typically arise for your BPS payments is where they see no level of agricultural activity where there's no level of topping, no level of grazing, no level of spraying or management or any of any description being done in the sward. And it's kind of left for a while where the rush completely encroached the ground. Um, and, you know, all you, you can see in the middle is bits of dead grass growing up. Um, you do have to show some level of activity. So even if that only means going in and mowing it out and topping it once a year, that will suffice once, once you're showing that the ground isn't becoming encroached and the ditches aren't going around it and, and the rushes haven't completely taken over you just have to show, make some bit of an effort, really. And that's what you what have to show. Uh, but leaving land idle and and become completely encroached can cause problems with BPS applications.
0: And you mentioned there spraying. Can you describe the spraying strategy for controlling rushes?
2: Yeah, you have two options with the spraying. Um, the first and most common one is the use of MCPA. Now, MCPA with regards rushes, look, rushes are only moderately susceptible to MCPA. We don't actually have a, Uh, a product that is available that is actually highly susceptible to to, for rushes um mcpa i suppose is something that's caused a bit of controversy the last couple of years and that it's been found in waterways and it's it's so easy i suppose for an mcpa exceedance to occur Uh, a single drop in a a typical stream can can cause an exceedance in the allowance for for 30 kilometers straight and going into drinking water so um effectively there was almost a zero tolerance to mcpa in waterways just short of um the problem with mcpa is it's it doesn't bind to the ground in the same way as let's say other products such as glyphosate does it it tends to i suppose if you were to put in layman terms it tends to stay on the ground and it can translocate easily so if you're spraying around the field and going near a boundary um with regards uh you know with with your boom sprayer and you you swing the boom over the when you're turning and it goes over a a dry drain even that mcpa can sit in that dry drain until water comes and it can carry it down into a stream that way so same with sloping fields same with bits of hollows and fields etc the mcpa can sit there for a long period of time and can eventually find its way into into waterways the second option and I suppose the more uh, slightly safer option, I suppose, if you are spraying, is to use uh, glyphosate through a weed wiper. MCPA is not actually licensed for use through a weed wiper, so glyphosate is the only option there. Um, and basically, I suppose the biggest thing there is, is that there's less chemical use. It's a it's a concentrated form of the of the of the, of the spray, and it's rubbed along the the rush plants through the weed wiper. Um, and I suppose, look, it's it's a cheaper option for both application and for uh, cost of spray as well. Uh, so it's it's probably something that's a bit safer to use uh, versus the MCPA option. But look, MCPA is a very important spray in this country at the same time. It's about farmers having a bit of respect for the product and and knowing how to manage it and ensuring that they're spraying in ideal conditions where there's dry weather forecasts, et cetera, to avoid this MCPA leaking into waterways and, and causing more upset.
0: Thanks, Ellen. Finally, Chris, with all the sprays that we've outlined for control of the different type of weeds, What is the recommendation in relation to sprayer use and best practice?
1: Yeah, look, farmers will, um, it's important that farmers keep good records of what they spray, number one. Um, It's important that they only use registered products. So a product will have a PCS number written on the front of it. So it's important to remember that. Um, when it comes to out spraying in the fields, um, as was mentioned earlier there by Alan, buffer zones are important. So all sprays will have a buffer zone that could either be one meter or up to five meters away from the top of a watercourse. So it's important that farmers uh, do do best practice and avoid um, and and keep that in mind. Look, farmers do need to be trained in the use of a sprayer. So any farmer using a, a boom sprayer or even a knapsack sprayer will have to have done the, the the proper training in order to be registered to use the pesticide. Otherwise, he'll have to get a contractor in to do it. And then in, in recent years, all sprayers do need to be tested. And um, So new sprayers are okay uh, and, they, and they'd be sufficient for, I think, up to five years. But any older sprayer would need to be tested once every five years. So it's important to to keep that in mind as well to make sure that it's working well and the pesticides are going on correct.
0: That's great, Chris. Thanks very much, Chris and Alan. Thank you. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Chris and Alan for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.